Thank you, worship team. Again, good morning, church. So glad you are here this morning. And I am so excited for 2023. I hope your year is already off to a good start. Uh, and like I said earlier, as a church, we're going to just take some time in the month of January to just really focus and examine where does the Lord want us to be? Who does he want us to be? And how are we going to get there? So that's what we're going to talk about over these next four weeks. So thank you again. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive in. Lord Jesus, again, we're so thankful that we get to be here with you today. Lord, we're thankful that we get to be here with each other today. Lord, what a special privilege. What a sacred moment it is for the people of God to be in the same room together, worshiping your name. And Jesus, that's why we're here. You are the head of the church. You are our shepherd. Lord, we want to lift your name high, Jesus Christ. So would you bless us and help us as we seek to do that today? Open our hearts to your truth through your word, through your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, of the several toys that my kids got for Christmas, uh, one of the toys that they received is one of those old classics, the game Operation. Anybody know it? Oh yeah, come on. I mean, we all grew up playing Operation, right? Well, the particular Operation that they received was a little different because, at least to our knowledge, at least unless my two-year-old somehow got in the box and, and did this himself, it didn't come with the body parts. <laughs> now, if you're familiar with the game Operation, those little pieces are kind of essential to the whole point of the game, right? You have to operate without touching the sides and buzzing, right, to get the little, you know, body pieces out of there. Well, it didn't come with the parts. So thankfully, Target returns anything, right? I mean, you could walk into Target and they'll be like, here, can you just have, you, you just take my shirt back? Yeah, sure, do it. Here you go, right? So <laughs> they return anything. And so we're good. We're good. But here's the thing. Just like those parts are essential to the game operation, did you know that there are some essential ingredients and parts to a church that if they're not present, guess what? You're not going to be able to fully function as you're designed to do. The game operation doesn't work, right? It's not even fun if those parts aren't there. Well, you see, in the New Testament, we see three ingredients or parts, if you will, that a church must have, that a church must be that are essential in order for this church, for any church, to be healthy, to be fully functioning as it was designed to do. You know, we call the church, the New Testament refers to the church as the body of Christ. And so every part, in other words, every member, each one of you, all of us, are vital to the health and the life of the church. So in the New Testament, not only do we see three foundational principles for the church as a whole, we also see this amazing, this amazing depiction of the church as a body in 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul tells us that we are the body of Christ. And so it's going to take all of us. It takes all of us working together. It takes all of us loving and serving the needs of others before our own. It takes all of us worshiping the Lord 
It takes all of us being a faithful witness in this world for the Lord. It's going to take all of us for the body to be healthy. Every part matters. See, that's what the church is. We're the body of Christ. We belong to Jesus. We are his body. The church also is referred to as a building. It's also referred to as the bride of Christ. And so because because we are these things, because we are the body of Christ, then how we do church matters. It matters greatly because Jesus has established the church to be his representative in this world, to continue his great commission until he returns. You can look on the screens today. We're going to have a couple of different passages for you. But Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus was speaking to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And what did he say? His final command, his final word to them before he ascended into heaven was this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see here in this great commission from Christ that we are all called, all of his followers. This wasn't just for the disciples standing there that day. This is for the whole church. The people of God are commanded to make disciples. We are disciples because we follow Jesus, right? But we're called to make more disciples, to reach this world for him. So therefore, how we do church is very important. Thankfully, the New Testament gives us enough instruction for us to see three recurring ingredients or parts that a church should exhibit every church Every church that obeys God's word in the New Testament should be worshiping God, walking with him, in other words, growing in your faith, right, being sanctified, and witnessing for him. That's the purpose of any church. That's the purpose of every church, right? So I don't care if you're in Jacksonville, Florida, or if you're in Mozambique, or if you're in Beijing, or if you're in Rome, The point and purpose of the New Testament church that follows Jesus is to worship, walk, witness. Now, here's the thing. All of us, especially in America, because we just have to be, you know, we have to be trendy. uh, All of the churches are trying to find unique ways to really say these three words, okay? So you could go on almost any church website in Jacksonville, and you'll probably see something similar to that, right? You'll see, you know, gather, grow, go, right? Or uh, gospel community mission, right? Well, here at Kernan, we're good Baptists, so we did the alliteration, WWW, right? Worship, walk, witness, okay? That's, that's what we've come up with. But essentially, the purpose, though, the purpose of every church should be the same, right? Though we're all trying to find unique ways to say these three words, the purpose is the same. So, that probably leads to this question, Should every church be the same? Well, that's kind of a trick question, isn't it? Because if you're talking about purpose and what motivates the church, 
then yes, every church should share those New Testament principles in common, right? But if you're talking about how, how each church pursues these principles, then no, every church should not be the same. Why? Why should every church not be the same if we're all essentially pursuing the same mission? Well, the answer to that is context, right? Context greatly matters. So in other words, in different parts of America, you're going to need churches that look different to reach different people. In different parts of the world, you're going to need churches that are different to reach different types of people. So here's the thing, right? Some pastors wear suits, some wear skinny jeans. Thankfully, I'm wearing neither, right? <laughs> some, some churches only sing from a hymnal, and they have a great big choir. Some churches use laser lights and fog machines, and you would think you were at a Coldplay concert, right? <laughs> we're neither. Every church is located at a different address. Every church has been put in a particular place and time in history by who? By God. Jesus is the one who builds his church, not me, not you. So God, in his sovereign power, he's the one who is the power behind that great commission we just read to go and make disciples. Jesus is establishing his church Big C church, right? He's establishing that over time, but he's also establishing little C local churches like Kernan Boulevard Baptist Church on Kernan Boulevard. So here's the thing. This campus was built in 1999. Here we are, 24 years later. How about that? Here we are. But you know what? Some of you were here. Some of you were here. In 1999... You didn't, know, whoa, you didn't know what was going to happen, right? You didn't know over the next 24 years all the celebratory things that would happen, all the things that you would have to mourn. That was before 9-11. That was before this thing called COVID. We didn't know in 1999 all the things, the ups and downs of life, the people we would lose, the people we would gain the deaths that would happen, the births that would happen. We didn't know. But you know what? God knew. God knew in 1999 when he called the people of Southside Estates Baptist Church to start this church at Kernan Boulevard, 4,000 Kernan Boulevard South. God knew all those things that would happen. He knew about 9-11. He knew about the economy crashing and the mid-2000s. He, he knew about COVID. He knew all these things. And here we are. What is the point, pastor? The point is that God puts us, God puts you in a specific time and place in history so that your life can just be so nice and peachy. and clear. No, for his glory. So that his people can rise up at the right occasion and live out an obedient life to the New Testament teachings, to the Old Testament teachings, so the people of God can rise up and say, it's not about us, and we don't understand all the things that are happening. 
But we know the one who knows. We may not know, but we know the one who knows. Jesus is seated on his throne. He is the ruler of the universe. What is he doing in 2023? Guess what? I don't really know. (laughs) And you don't either. Who knows what's going to happen this year? But he knows. And so we can trust him. We can trust that he has us as a church exactly where he wants us to be for a mission and a purpose. The only question is, are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be obedient to what we do know is true? Context matters. God has put us here for a purpose. So as we think about this, the kind of church God wants Kernan to be now and beyond, we start with what we know is true, the non-negotiables, the New Testament principles. And then we look at our cultural context, and that's really where the tricky part begins. How do we reach the people who live around Kernan Boulevard on this east side of Jacksonville, Florida? How do we reach them? What, What should we do? Should we have programs? Should we have certain types of ministries? But the first question we have to ask is, how do we worship, walk, and witness? Because we know, we know those things are commanded in the New Testament. That brings us to today. In 2020, like I said, we adopted this new vision statement and ministry structure. So we actually did a lot of restructuring as a church And we're now just over two years into pursuing this vision. And so here's the vision statement on the screen. You see it there. Kernan exists to glorify God by making disciples. That's the Great Commission. And then with the New Testament teachings, those three things, right? We want to make disciples who do what? Who worship with authenticity, walk in community, and witness as we go. So in other words, we want to fulfill those three purposes of the church, worship, walk, witness. But here at Kernan... We've added these descriptor phrases at the end of those three words to specify the way in which the flavor, you might say, that we want to do those things with authenticity, in community, and as we go out and live our normal day-to-day lives. So that's what we're doing. That's the journey we're on over these next four weeks. We're going to talk about these three pillars. Now, let's get started, all right? So today... For the rest of today, we're going to talk about what it means to worship with authenticity. Well, I think the first place to start is to ask why we worship in the first place. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why we worship. Well, the answer ultimately should be gratitude. Gratitude should be why we are compelled to worship God. Look at Hebrews 12 on the screen, verse 28 and 29. Look at this. It says, therefore, let us be what? Grateful. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, let me tell you, there's a lot of kingdoms in this world. There's a lot of places that can be shaken. You go to some countries and you think it's very fragile, right? Society is hanging by a thread. And then you go to some places and maybe there's a little more stability. But no nation, no country has ultimate stability except for one. And that's the kingdom of God. That's what we belong to. In a fragile, broken world, we can rest at night knowing that we belong to a kingdom that is secure, that cannot be shaken. That is who we are, people of God. So we're grateful 
that we've received this kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so what do we do then? And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. Not just not, not worship out of some kind of religious duty or obligation to please your mom or to make your coworkers think you're a good person. No. It's a deep gratitude in your own heart. It's acceptable worship with what? With reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. In other words, the author of Hebrews is telling us the kind of worship that we should exhibit, that we should display to God, should be out of a heart of gratitude and reverence and awe because we have, because we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Because we know that it's not about us and it's not about appearance or us trying to convince people that we're a good person because we go to church. No, it's gratitude. That's what it is. It's really no different than a marriage. And you're, if you're married, you know, your spouse, how do you grow in love for your spouse? Is it going to be by just, you know, doing fun things and going to the movies? Well, that could help. But ultimately, it's gratitude. If you are truly grateful for who they are as a person, you're going to grow in your love for them over time. Guess what? It's very similar with our relationship with God. If we grow in our gratitude for Jesus, the fact that he came to earth and lived the life that you can't live, and he died the death that you should have died in your place for you. He paid the penalty of sin for you. And he rose from the grave to secure that victory that we sang about earlier. You see the gratitude? When you dwell and reflect and meditate on the gospel and you think about who Jesus is, doesn't, doesn't it just make you thankful? Doesn't it make you grateful? And it just compels you to want to worship, not out of religious duty but with authenticity. Look to God, be grateful for him. Not the idea of him or the idea of religion, but be thankful for Jesus himself. That's where worship starts. That's why we worship. What about this? Let's talk about what worship is. What is worship? Now, typically you think about what we just did a minute ago, right? You see these instruments on stage and you think of music when you think of worship. And yes, that's a huge part of it, but look at these other things, right? You can see this is right out of the New Testament. Singing and playing music, sure. But you know what else is worship? These other things are forms of worship that we do here. Preaching, the word of God, that's a form of worship. You listening is worship. Participating in the Lord's Supper. Prayer. Scripture reading. Kim's uh, read scripture for us earlier, right? Baptism. When we baptize someone up here, that's a form of Worship, that's an expression of gratitude to God. Guess what? Giving. When you give financially to the work of God in this church, guess what? Believe it or not, that's worship. Because what is it? It's gratitude. It's saying, Lord, you've blessed me. Lord, I know that you're going to take care of me. Here, here, Lord, I'm grateful for you, and I'm giving back to you what you've already given me. That can, that's consistent gratitude. That's what worship is. All right, well, let's talk about where we worship. Where do we do those things? Now, you know, you could say, well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have to come to the church. I can worship in my car. You know, like I listen to worship music when I drive around town, and I, that's, that's how I worship. You know, like, okay, well, or I, I worship in the deer stand. You know, that's where I worship on Sunday morning. Okay, all right, brother. Like, let me tell you, can you worship God in other places? Sure. But where is the New Testament telling us 
Where is it most sacred? It's here, right? We're commanded to be here in the worship service as God's people gathering together as one voice, many voices that make up one voice. Sometimes when we're singing, I love to just listen to you. I love to listen to you and hear your voices because I think it's so sweet, it's so special, it's so sacred to hear the many voices all from different backgrounds coming together as one voice. You are a part of that every Sunday morning when you're here. It's special to gather here once a week. It's truly sacred. I mean, think about it, guys. We have so many hours in our week to do all the things we want to do. Can we not be here for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, once a, just once a week, a couple of hours, to come together as the people of God? Why wouldn't we do everything in our power to be here every week? What could possibly be more important than this? It's so special. It's sacred. This is where we worship. You know, as we think about worship and what it means, as we think about what it means to worship with authenticity, we're going to do something a little different each week in this vision series over the month of January. We're going to call up someone each week to interview, and I'm going to interview them to help us understand deeper into this subject. And hey, who better? Who better to interview this morning than our own worship leader, our worship and creative arts director, Kyle Lane? So Kyle, would you come on stage? I got a few questions for you, man. Just give him a hand. <laughs> hey, long time no see. Yeah, long time no see. How you doing? <laughs> well, thanks, Kyle. You guys know Kyle. Yeah. Uh, we kind of matched today a little bit. Yeah. I, I think we all tried to do our closest teal that we could. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, Kyle, I want to ask you a few questions that we've talked about worship um, that I think you could really help the congregation um, think through some of these things. So as we think about worship, well, first of all, let me ask you this, just a little personal note. How, how long have you been here at Kernan? Uh, it's a trick question. It, it, well, it's a tricky <laughs> question. Okay, so uh, you mentioned Southside Estates earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, I was at Southside Estates with my family when I was very young. In fact, there's Probably some ladies in this section who may have changed my diaper in the nursery. TMI. If that's the case, you keep that information to yourself. I don't need to know that. Uh, and, and at Southside Estates is actually where I first met my wife, Emily. And my first memory of Emily, she was, she was she's, she's younger than me. She'd like me to tell you that. But I saw her on stage singing Happy Birthday Jesus in the Christmas choir Christmas special thing. <laughs> and I remember that to this day. So that's my first memory of my wife. But what you really mean is how long have I been here, you know, on staff? And so I've been here coming up on 12 years in April. My first Sunday was Easter Sunday. So that was fun. Uh, and then that was, for, I, I, so I started as director of communications and then that lasted for about nine years. And then I took over uh, leading worship and now here we are. Awesome. So as a worship leader, how, how do you gauge or how do you know that our worship is authentic? Because that's what we're striving for. How do, you, right. how do you gauge that? Well, I remember when we first started talking about this in 2020 and we came up with the term um, you know, worship with authenticity, that was kind of a tricky thing because it's like it's not, it's not a watch or a baseball card or a piece of jewelry that you can take somewhere and have somebody you know, tell you how authentic it is. Um, and so... I think the best way to answer this question maybe is to start with the worship team's vision 
I knew that was going to happen. I'll pick it up if I need it. Uh, uh, talk about the worship team's vision, which our vision is uh, to make it hard for you to not join us as we worship. And the idea behind that is, is we want to remove barriers. We want to uh, make it, make it, uh, not just make it easy, but make it hard for you not to. We want to make worship feel natural here in this service. And so how I gauge authenticity is, uh, is by enthusiastic participation. And so obviously that, that has a lot to do with singing. I want to see you singing and, and hear you singing. Uh, but it's more than that. I want to see you excited when we have a baptism. I want to see you attentive during scripture reading and during the sermons. Um, and I think, uh, I, well, another important thing is I want to hear you laugh at our jokes. Uh, and <laughs> well, I mean that. I say that as a joke, but I mean that because if you're willing to laugh, that means your barriers are down. That means you're comfortable. That means you're feeling in a natural place and you're not having to force anything. So your ability to laugh and clap and say amen shows us that you are here at home with family and easily able to worship. That's good. So since we launched this vision in 2020, what are some examples of progress that has been made in the worship ministry here at Kernan in pursuing that vision? Uh, I think there's two big things that we've accomplished. Uh, one, you mentioned the, the restructuring earlier. And it was, I mean, it was even a redefining. So if you ask any churchgoer anywhere, what, what is the worship team? They'll likely say, oh, it's the band on stage. Well, that's not a wrong answer, but here we wanted to be more complete and, and kind of reorganize and restructure things. And so now the worship team includes, yes, the band and the AV guys in the back. Thank you, guys. Uh, it includes uh, the scripture reading. It includes the ushers as they take the offering. It includes the deacons as they help do the uh, do the Lord's Supper. Uh, it, it even, by extension, also includes the safety team and the first impressions team. Anyone who is helping serve in or for this service mm. is a part of the worship team. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say the second thing uh, that, to me personally, I feel like I'm I'm very happy to say, like within the last six months. I feel like we've kind of reached this point. This is something I was working hard on for the last three years is we now have a good, solid, complete list of songs to pull from every Sunday. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's, called, that's always a tricky thing for worship leaders. How many songs do we sing? Well, what's the right number? And so um, that's been something I've really been, uh, been, been working on these last few years. And um, so if you'll indulge me, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a few minutes geeking out over my process of how we choose new songs, because I feel like that's probably, you know, something people may be interested in, and if you're not, I want to tell you anyways. Um, but before we get into that, I think, I think it's an important question to ask, like, why do we need new songs? Why do we need, why can't we just keep singing the songs we know? And, well, the scripture we read earlier said, sing a new song to the Lord. And I think God is worthy of us learning new music, but I think as humans... Um, I've got a great analogy to explain why I feel like learning new worship songs is important. So, uh, have you ever been on your drive home from work, right? And it's roads you drive every day. It's turns you make, lane changes, uh, every day. You know it. And then you find yourself at a, at a red light, and you realize, I don't remember the last five minutes of driving. <laughs> I just, I, how did I get here? Like, you just go on autopilot. I don't want our worship to ever go on autopilot. 
It's good. If, if we're singing the same songs all the time, I, and I've experienced this personally, I, I go on autopilot and I sing them, but I am not thinking about what I'm singing. And so I think it's important that we mix it up and force ourselves to learn new songs so that we're having to think about the words we're singing, what they mean, how they impact us, what God has done for us. Uh, and so that's, that's why we learn new songs. So how, how do I choose new songs? Uh, so first, there's three criteria I look at. First is a pretty easy one. Can the band perform it? Because there's nothing worse than hearing a musician play a song that's not in their wheelhouse. You just, you don't want that. And our band's excellent, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, I'm the weakest link, but that's okay. And so, uh, uh, so first, can the band play it? Can they play it well? Okay, great. Check that off the list. Then I ask, would it be good for the congregation? Will they be able to learn it? Uh, and will, it, will, it, will they enjoy singing it? Now, I'm, I know I'm never going to please everybody with every song, so bear with me. Have patience with me. I try my best. Uh, but so, in general, I ask, is it good for the congregation? Then, uh, I, once I've figured out, okay, it fits those two criteria, then I get to the most important one, which is I dive into the lyrics, and I make sure that it's scripturally sound, that it's theologically sound. Uh, like you said earlier, uh, you know, worship is an outpouring of our gratitude, and, and our gratitude for uh, what God has done, through, done for us through the gospel. And so I need to make sure that these songs sing the gospel. Because if, if they don't, they don't belong here in this service. Yeah. And so, and if I could interject, yeah. that, that's so important because a lot of the popular songs in Christianity aren't necessarily theologically good songs. Right. Right. I mean, some of the stuff is real fluffy, real yeah. light, and it's, we don't want to sing that. Right. We want to sing songs that are talking about the gospel. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I come across songs every now and then that I listen to, and I go, "Oh, this is great. I know what they're meaning," but. I, or maybe I don't, but I worry that maybe there's a phrase or a word that's used. Y'all would be like, wait, that doesn't sound right, but, you, but because you have to use the word in a special way. I don't want to put us in a situation where I'm having to explain to 10 people after the service, well, how we meant that phrase was this. Right. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that the gospel is very clearly presented um, in our music. And so once it checks those three boxes, then I have to figure out, okay, how does it fit in our master list of songs? And I have a really cool tool that I use for this. Uh, Mark, if you could put that picture up. Okay, so this, this is in my office. <laughs> I would be so happy to show it to you if you want to stop by one day and take a look at it. This is a big, just a big metal board thing, and I found these dry erase magnet cards. So each song that we do in our rotation, it's roughly 40 songs, is a magnet on the board. And if I want to add a new song, it has to fit on the board. And you know what this does? This makes me be very particular about the songs I add. Because if I just added every song I liked, we would have 100 songs on the list. And you would never learn any of them because we'd sing them once a year if we're lucky. And so, uh, and there's, there's rhyme and reason to the, to the orientation and the color coding and the positioning, but I'm not going to get into all that. So anyways, once I figure out it fits on the magnetic board, I go over to my, I have a physical calendar that I use to uh, plan out when I introduce songs throughout the year, and that helps me know when I have to start rehearsing with the band. And so I say all that to say, uh, by the time you hear a new song on a Sunday, the band has been rehearsing it for about a month, and I've been pouring into it uh, for about a year, maybe six months if, it's, if I had a quick turnaround. 
And so lots of thought goes into this process. Uh, and I certainly uh, certainly don't take it lightly. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that I feel like it's taken a few years, but we're at a place where I, I love the set list, the master list that we have set up, and I'm excited. That's probably my favorite thing that I've been able to accomplish since we started the vision. That's awesome. So, so what are some of our goals that we want to achieve in worship over the next few years, and what are we doing as a church to achieve those goals? Right. This is where I'm going to need my cheat sheet. <laughs> um, I think one of the first ones uh, is uh, you and I, <laughs> uh, ironically, uh, want to work on communication. Okay, uh, we want to work on being better communicators during the service. Now, this doesn't just mean giving announcements. It also means teaching you the why behind the things we're doing. Why is baptism important? Why, why is giving a part of worship? Uh, why I'm working on being better at taking time to explain why we sing certain songs and explain where it's referencing different scriptures in the song and kind of helping you get a better understanding. So that's one thing we want to work on, and that just that that just takes a lot of planning on our parts and and thinking through and and we're very logistical people in our plans for each service, and so we need to just start setting aside places in the service and make sure we remember. Okay, this Sunday we're going to really talk about what baptism means. You know, and so that's that's one thing we want to look at going forward. Um, another thing we want to do is uh, we want a healthy and diverse uh, rotation of volunteers in the worship service. I am so thankful for all of the volunteers we have. They might make my life so much easier, but I'd love more, and I'd love more diversity. I want I want everyone's age and uh, uh, gender and ethnicity uh, represented in who's serving, and the reason for that is. If a new person comes in here and they see someone serving who looks like them, guess what? There's a barrier that's down. All of a sudden, they are feeling more at home because they see themselves represented. Um, and so that's just a, a matter of recruiting. Oh, and just as an example, I'd love to have some women ushers. If there's any women out there who are like, oh, I could be an usher, come talk to me. I'd love to get you on the schedule. Uh, we also want to include, on that same note, we want to include more next-gen stuff, uh, as we have family worship especially. Uh, you know, we've had the kids read scripture and sing with us like we did on Christmas. Uh, so we want to get more of that involvement, and that's just a matter of me coordinating uh, with, with Christy and Jessica and Will. And then, now I need my cheat sheet. Oh, yeah, this is a big one. Uh, we need to do better at uh, accomplishing one of our core values which is praying frequently and specifically. I think we do a great job at praying frequently in here. We want to do a better job at praying specifically. We want to uh, remember to set aside time in the services to pray for a person or a ministry or an event or things like that. And so that's something, again, that goes back to us planning. Right. Uh, and so that's something, that's a goal that we have is we want to, to, to see prayer become a more serious and intentional part of the worship service. And then uh, lastly, one thing I'd love to see us improve, uh, which we're doing, I feel like we're doing great at, is uh, Andrew and I uh, collaborating on the music and the sermons. We want, mm -hmm. as best as they can, I want the music to lead us to the sermon as best as possible, thematically, lyrically, scripturally. That's why we did Egypt. 20 times in the last four months <laughs> right? because we were in Exodus and it fit. So I'm sorry if you're sick of hearing that song. I'm not, so we're going to keep singing it, not as often. Uh, and so that's something else we want to work on is just our collaboration sure. between the sermon 
and yeah. the music. And, and let me tell you, uh, now since I'm talking about him a little bit, I just want to say I'm so thankful for him because in all of this, the fact that this is a question, what are some goals we have? He is so big on uh, critiquing and evaluating and making sure we have a plan of action for next year's trunk or treat. What did we do wrong this year that we need to fix? Like, please know that if you see something wrong, I guarantee you he has spotted it, okay? Um, I did not tell him to say that. He did not, he did not. <laughs> that's not even on my notes. It's not even on my notes. <laughs> but yeah, those are some, I think those are some goals that we're gonna work toward here yeah. for the worship service. That's great, that's excellent. So last question, how can a member here at Kernan help us help the church achieve these goals in our worship ministry. And, and keep in mind, this is thinking beyond just music and singing, right? Right, right. So like, uh, well, the first and easiest way to answer that is be here. Consistent attendance is huge. If, you know, we're talking about feeling like a family in here and feeling comfortable and natural, nothing's better than Christmas with the whole family there, right? Same thing with worship. We want the whole family here. So commit, committing to consistent attendance is a huge way you can help us. Um, another thing along those same, same lines is uh, committing to consistent giving because your gifts not just go back into the worship service, not that they just go back into the church as a whole and, and ministries around the world, but talking about measuring authenticity in our worship, I think authentic giving is consistent giving. Um, so I think that's an important, uh, important, important way that you could help us. Uh, and then, oh, oh, I almost forgot one of the most important things. By the way, on that note, if you look in the seats in front of you, we have a new card available to you. Quick plug. So this card is a great little new giving card. It's got all the instructions and the ways that you can give. We realized, going back to communicating better, we realized we didn't think we were communicating well on ways to give. Different, op different, different options, yeah. different ways, right. whether you want to pay physically or digitally. All the instructions are on the card. Uh, and we have and, QR codes now. And there's a QR code. We love the QR codes We have now. become a full-fledged QR church, okay? So that's, <laughs> yes, we, that's we're up best, with the times now. That's the best thing to come out of COVID is everybody knows how to use QR codes now. <laughs> that's right. Hey, if you, if you can order food at a restaurant, you can, you can give online at Kernan, okay? Uh, but all the instructions on there are listed out for you for different ways you can give. Uh, but I think finally, the, 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 the best thing you can do to help is once you're here, the best way you can help us is to participate. Now, participating may look like serving. So let me reiterate, to be on the worship team, I don't need you to be able to sing. I don't even need you to be comfortable in front of a microphone. I don't need you to be good at technology. We have places for you to serve, but, and plenty of you are serving other places, so this is not necessarily the avenue for you, but participation is also about, like we talked about, singing. We want you, we want you singing loud for all to hear. It's <laughs> the best way to spread Christmas cheer. That's right. uh, and so uh, we want you singing loud, okay? And I want to help you with that. So I, I do two things to help you sing loud. Firstly, in the weekly, which if you're not signed up for the weekly, you can sign up for our weekly emails online at curtainchurch.com. Just scroll down, you'll find the link. In the weekly, every week, I share the songs we're going to sing on Sunday. So you can come in prepared. But in addition to that, uh, I have playlists available on the website if you go to the worship page. There are links to a Spotify playlist, Apple Music playlist, and YouTube Music playlist. Uh, I think, and I think all or at least two of those you can listen to without a paid subscription, okay? You may get ads, but 
but these playlists have every song in our set list. So if you need music to put on in the car or music to put on at work, I would be honored if you would listen to this playlist. And this, is, this isn't you singing. This is no, 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 it's not me singing. It's the real recording. So <laughs> rest assured, it's not. So me. not as good, but yeah. <laughs> but hey, no, I think this is great. I think, the, I think the playlist is amazing, right? So it yeah. gives all of us the opportunity to learn the songs during the week, right? Just driving around the town, right? Driving around town uh, in our car or wherever, you know, at work, listening to background music, we can learn these songs. Right. And so when we come in on Sunday morning, we already know the song, right? Because right. we've been listening to it. Yeah. And, and so I want to leave you with a challenge today, okay? Uh, Emily and I are going to close with a song that you probably haven't heard, and we're going to do it with the band later this year. I'm not going to say when. So, I, so you don't know when the homework is due, okay? So this is a song called Grace by City of Light. We sing a good number of their songs. Love them. Uh, I'm going to challenge you, listen to this song, learn this song, and I'm choosing this song specifically because it sounds way better with all of our voices together, and so I don't, I don't want to waste time teaching it to you. I want y'all to learn it, and then when that day comes that we sing it, I want you all to look around and go, oh, we all know this already. Yes. That's cool. I love so that. I'm looking forward to that, so I'm going to go get set up, ready to sing that, and close this. I'm going to let Andrew.